0: Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand, original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at Evertrue.com studios.
1: I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advance. My colleague, Kat Adams, Managing Senior Director of Development for UC Davis Health. How are we doing today, Kat?
0: I'm doing well, Kim. How are you?
1: I am doing better now that I get to talk to my friend that I've not seen in a, in a few years now. You know, it's uh, it's, it's it's a good thing.
0: Very good thing. Very good thing. Thanks for
1: inviting me. Absolutely. So let's go right ahead into it. You know, uh, you and I know that in both of our careers uh, in the spots where we've intertwined uh, or we've kind of, you know, converged, uh, there's been a lot of navigation uh, through change in leadership uh, that have impacted the fundraising priorities that we're be working on at the time. And so all of a sudden this happens, you got to pivot. And you've been part of that when leadership changes have happened, when you're in the middle of a plan that, that that's uh, been executed and a new leader comes in and all of a sudden you got to you got to shift and you got to refocus. So in those situations, it's a jarring experience, right? I mean, you're like, man, just when I thought I was doing something right, just when I thought we were making headway with this donor, now I got to go back and reset the relationship and say, hey, we are going. We may be going a different direction or maybe pausing. So somebody finds themselves in those kind of situations. How does one maintain focus on the ongoing priorities in the midst of organizational leadership change? Talk to us.
0: That is such a good question, and I had a lot of practice with that because in <laughs> – In the eight years I worked for the University of Missouri, we had six different chancellors. And I personally had 11 different supervisors. And also during that time, we were in a $1.3 billion comprehensive campaign. And my unit, I was leading a unit, and I had a $35 million goal. So I had to stay focused on keeping the campaign going. And um, I think I was able to achieve my goals because I kept my focus on the donors. And let me provide a little more context around this. I teach a course on fundraising and philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And one of the modules I cover looks at public trust and confidence. (laughs) And the things that erode donor trust the most are mission vagueness, public misunderstanding, and lack of accountability. All three of those things are exacerbated by leadership turnover. The good news is careful relationship management has been Mm -hmm. found to be the best indicator for renewed trust and confidence. So as a professional fundraiser, I have the best chance of remaining focused on priorities and achieving success when the relationship with the donors comes first and their priorities are met. And I keep my job satisfaction up that way too. And it can sort of stay centered in those donor relationships when everything else is in flux.
1: So when, when you're in those situations, I mean, uh, you know, conceivably you have team members and, uh, oh gosh, you know, all oh, hell's breaking loose. I mean, I don't know what to do. Oh, you know, it's, it, I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about all these kind of things. And we know that happens. I mean, I've been in instances in my career where, you know, I had to essentially, even though sometimes you you know that things are not good, I had to keep the team focused on the North Star. Here are our priorities. That's not gonna change. You know, we still gotta raise money for scholarships. We still got that building that's gotta get built. So it doesn't matter who the president is, who the dean is, uh, we still got our work cut out. So in those instances, uh, how how did you uh how did you keep the rest of the crew uh to to, to stay at the level that you were?
0: I think reminding them that I was there and that I, I, I wasn't changing and, um, and to keep them focused on the things that were the same, just like you mentioned, you know, support for students and support for research. That's always going to be part of the mission in higher education. So um, staying focused on those core values, those aren't going to change no matter who's in leadership yes. and, um, and staying focused on your strengths and the things that you can control.
1: Absolutely. Controlling, controlling, learning to understand what you control and learning to appreciate what you don't control and just (laughs) and just let it rest. Right. Just say that I can only control this much, but whatever happens, I trust those in positions uh, that impact me, that they'll do the right thing. And so trust becomes a, a very, a very strong currency.
0: Yes. And I think having those people that you can talk to and just having that listening ear, I think that has always been so valuable for me, having people like you that I can say, oh, my gosh, this horrible thing is happening and get that reminder to say, yes, it is happening. It's not fun. It will pass. And you're still going to be awesome. You're still going to be awesome no matter what happens at the end of this
1: and and that's what i appreciate you know uh mentorship uh you know not just from uh, somebody who's more experienced or somebody's superior to your role but from peer to peer i think a lot of times we don't talk about peer to peer uh mentorship you know where i can reach out to you and say cap man i i'm am, i am deep in deep end over here and i'm dealing with this situation how have you dealt with that similar situation how did you deal with it and you know, just having those conversations, having uh the you know, the people that, you know, are, you know, uh fellow professionals that you can trust, that you can have that conversation and they can they can be candid because they're not looking for an edge. They know that they are helping a colleague navigate that uh that situation. I think to me that's the peer to peer mentorship is uh is is one thing that I don't think we think of that way that we're mentoring each other, but I'll argue that we are. What do you think?
0: I agree. I fully agree. I've learned so much from you and other colleagues that oh, thank you. have stuck with me. And I think that's why we continue to stay in touch.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because at one point or another, you may think that, oh, hey, I'm not going to deal with this, but you and I have been at this for a long time. And we know this field, at some point, you're going to deal with something that somebody else has dealt with, and you're going to say, man, who do I, who, who can I talk to? But when you have that peer to peer relationship, you know, I, okay, here are the five people that I'm going to talk to that I know are going to be honest with me and they're going to help me see through that does not make me uh, weak or inexperienced. It's just me admitting the fact that it takes a village to move, uh, to, to move, a uh, profession forward, you know, absolutely. So, so, uh, you know, when well, you and I have talked about, about things before, But I really want you to share with our audience uh, a teachable moment uh, as in your journey uh, in advancement as you're going through organizational change, leadership change. Tell us a quick story about that teachable moment that has really impacted uh, your career moving forward.
0: So my first job at a graduate school was running um, the campaign for a small community organization in Illinois, a small United Way. And this was during the time when the national model for community impact was rolling out across the country. And the community impact model shifted the fundraising focus for virtually all United Way organizations into three buckets, education, income, and health. And Mm -hmm. this meant partner agencies that didn't fit into those areas were no longer eligible for annual support. And I remember people were most upset about the animal shelter being excluded and people had very strong reactions about it. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like we doomed all of those baby kittens and puppies. I just, I internalized (laughs) the whole situation. I took it so personally and um, our communications person chose to address the complaints by focusing the conversation about the opportunities coming to the community as a result of the shift in focus and sort of sidestepped all the references to specific organizations that weren't being funded anymore. I had, since I had just finished my master's degree I had my all my my organizational change management going on in my head. and. I remembered from um, a textbook called Reframing Organizations that I still have next to my computer now. Um, It's a a Bowman and Deal textbook. And it Mm -hmm. says, people aren't really scared of change. They fear loss and they grieve loss. And I never, yes, it's always stuck with me. And I never thought the communications person connected with that sense of loss for our constituents. Much later I reconnected with the development staff from that animal shelter. And they said moving on from United Way had actually been a really good change for them. Because when you're a partner agency with United Way, you have to kind of take a break on your campaigning during mm-hmm. the big um, United Way campaign time. Oh wow. And that was at your end, which is typically, you know, there's all the, the great ASPCA tearjerker commercials yeah. on TV during that time. Oh yeah. And so they were sort of missing out on piggybacking on some of that other broader messaging. Um, and so once they weren't a partner agency partner agency with United Way anymore, they didn't have to, they weren't restricted to those timeframes anymore and actually ended up earning more when they did their own campaign than when they'd been a partner agency. And so what this taught me is that there's value in seeking that silver lining specific mm-hmm. to the change that's happening. Mm-hmm. So people can replace that sense of loss with a sense of excitement for what's ahead. And that doesn't mean misleading people and saying it's all going to be rosy and beautiful if it's not, but but sort of helping them see a different side of it um, than sort of j- just trying to sweep it under the rug.
1: That is a great, great lesson for people to learn. Silver linings. Always look for the silver linings. And there's always a teachable moment in any in and all experiences that we have. Uh, there's always something. I mean, uh, you know, just to sidetrack here, you and I were at uh, Mizzou during, uh, you know, the campus uh, racial challenges, and through that, there were teachable moments. If you if people were paying attention, there were things that the students were trying to say, there were things that the community was trying to say, and through that uh you know some good things came out of that there. that some good things that uh you know are going to impact the institution for a long time and for us in development uh you know it was an opportunity to to learn as well and to look at how can we be uh, in our roles uh, how can we be part of the solution to help an institution that we cared about to be a better version of itself so Teachable moments—I always, I uh, always really, really one of my favorite things. And so, let's uh shift gears here a little bit and talk about transitioning from one institution to another. Something that you are not very familiar with. So, as you know, uh, transitioning from one institution to another means living the known realities to unknown possibilities. I was like looking at possibilities. You're excited, yeah. I'm going from here to university X, because I see the possibilities of not just me growing, but I'm gonna do some great things there for them and it's just gonna be great, right? We know that. So, the, but there is the other side of it. How does one navigate such transition to ensure that outcomes are successful? In other words, as you think about it, um, how you leave, in my opinion, how you leave your institution, matters a lot. And it's going to inform your success at the next institution that you go for. I've been a big proponent of when I leave, I want this place to be better than when I found it, because this institution did invest in me and my family and in my growth. So from that perspective, I'm not leaving for the most part. I mean, sometimes you leave because it's a bad situation that happens. But for the most part, you leave because you exhausted your growth and you feel like somebody else is offering you something better. So from that perspective, you leave, you go to a different institution. How do you manage to ensure that you are going to be successful? How do you position yourself to have positive outcomes, in other words?
0: I transitioned to UC Davis in 2020, still very early in the pandemic. I knew one person in the community when I moved here and she helped me make a few connections, which then led to a few more. And fairly quickly, I had my network of trusted allies that helped me navigate the organization, the community and all the other things about life that were happening all at the same time. I also had a newborn baby during that period. So there was a lot. Yeah. Um, Another thing I did was try to remain rooted in what I knew were my strengths. You referenced sort of leaving one position in in a good place. Um, And and I, I felt really strong about leaving my organization in a better position than I had found it. Um, And so I I knew what my strengths were coming from that. Uh, But then I also really tried to remain open to learning new things and new ways of doing my work. Um, Then I pushed the needle as much as I possibly could early on, which looking back probably wasn't necessary for me to do that or healthy.
1: But
0: <laughs> but it helped me find my sphere of influence and carve out my niche early on and helped me start build that confidence in my new role um, and make it my own. Um, I think the next time I make a big transition though, I'll remind myself I don't have to do it all right away, be a little bit more patient with myself and let it come a little bit more naturally because I kind of I really did push to get mm-hmm. to that point because I, I had been at Mizzou for such a long time and I knew every bit of it and I knew my job like the back of my hand. And so, and I, I wanted to replicate that as quickly as possible. Um, and so, the, but there was, there's pros and cons to that in, in burnout. I, I exhausted myself, I think. <laughs> um, but then the reward of that is now I can take a breath and I have built a foundation that I feel good and strong and confident about.
1: That is great. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the learning uh, to pace yourself and that, uh, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, you know, I think it's hard for us who want to make a difference because you go in and you see certain things say, man, I know we can do better and I want to do it. But understanding, uh, you know, to uh, sort of, uh to to smell the tea leaves and uh, appreciate what's there and spending time to learn about a place and, and kind of get the 360 view of the environment. I think, I think those are, those are good uh, uh, teachable things that uh, uh, all of us should, uh, you know, should really pay attention to, especially in higher education. I mean, uh, you know, I was reading this uh, uh, report by McKinsey and company that came out yesterday about uh, d i b efforts at universities, and you know it was shocking. I mean, their conclusion was the efforts have been so slow in in the uptick. I mean the numbers of uh, minorities in in uh, faculty positions and things like that were pretty much stagnant for for a number of years. and it said at this rate, in order for institutions to really uh, accomplish uh, their goal of representing the population of the United States being representative of the population breakdown is going to, probably going to be like 300 years plus if we get there. So I say, well, we got to work cut out. We got to, you know, so that's when they, that that urge, when you hear those and you say, man, we got to move a lot faster than what we're doing. But the reality is we are dealing with what we're dealing with. So let's figure out ways to, to, to navigate that. So uh, moving along here, what lessons have you learned as you navigated through organizational changes in vision and priorities? We've talked about, you know, people just, you uh, know, you losing leadership. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're uh, sort of pivoting. But when the vision is no longer there, when the priorities are no longer there, talk to me about two key lessons that you've learned through that. That will be helpful uh, to uh, to our audience.
0: I'm not sure that this example is the perfect example, but at the end, I think I'll I'll get around to answering your question. So I recently had the opportunity to work on a nine-figure proposal, which as you can imagine, involved a huge group of people, key faculty, associate deans, the dean, associate vice chancellors, vice chancellor, the chancellor, and the development officers who staff all those people. And everyone had a different strategy. Everyone had a different priority. Everyone had a different way of of looking at this and tackling this. Months of meetings to just compile a visioning statement that made any sort of sense. (laughs) And still people weren't really happy with the direction it was going. So finally the dean's chief of staff and I just started compiling all the notes, removing duplications, synthesizing where we could and getting down to the nuts and bolts that were required to move forward. We just put it on a big big spreadsheet and then we put it on the on the on the board and we just look at it and we'd sit there and we tackle it and we go through it one by li- line by line each of our meetings. And it was painstaking, but we got through all of the content over a long period of time. And in the end, I wouldn't call it a compromise because people were still pretty unhappy, but no one was standing in the way anymore. And what I learned from this is, as changes happen in organizations, there will always be play. There will always be players who not who aren't pleased about it, and what like really and what really matters is that everyone feels okay enough, mm-hmm. good enough to move forward together. It doesn't need to be consensus or even agreement or even being on the same page. You just bow ahead and call a win, a win. And, <laughs> and let the rest of it go.
1: You know, uh, to quote the, uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, instructors, professors, lecturers from the uh, Harvard Graduate School of Education, Mr. Jim Honan. Uh, higher education is a collection of cylinders of excellence, and the ability to bring those cylinders of excellence together to realize a common goal is always, always this, the the struggle and the reward of process. Not everybody has to be happy, but... At the end of the day, are we accomplishing the goal for the institution? So I, 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 I applaud you all for uh, for being able to do that.
0: Now let's just hope that we get the money.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, as we get into to to the closure here, uh, any last words that you want to share about uh, uh, you know na- navigating and learning through change uh, with the audience?
0: Um, I think it's about getting comfortable with just being a little uncomfortable and it not being perfect. I've always been a perfectionist and um, particularly in my years as a manager in higher education, becoming much more comfortable with imperfection. Um, And instead seeing that arc, that that arc moving forward um, is more important than than the day-to-day minutiae and 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 those, those marks of perfection.
1: Those are good words of wisdom that I hope anybody listening to us will really take to heart. We've had a great conversation today. Really appreciate uh, connecting with my colleagues who are much smarter than I am, who are helping us uh, contribute to the positivity and growth of our field of institutional advancement. Well, folks, there you have it. I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon.